0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. Ooh. Everyone doing good? Surviving? Not too, not too cold just yet? No response to that? Okay, great. Moving swiftly along. Awesome. Uh all right. Well, uh, 2020 is almost over. That's nice. <laughs> uh, so it's been, it's been an interesting year, yeah? <laughs> interesting. Uh, w- would you say that this year went the way that you planned it to go? No? <laughs> Enthusiastic, no. Would you say that this year went the way that God planned it to go? I mean, yes, because God is God, right? but it feels a little bit weird signing God's name at the bottom of this year, right? <laughs> huh what What do you do with that, right <laughs> so I, I, I'd like to talk about God's plans today um more more accurately i would I would like to talk about the way that we perceive God's plans now. To to approach it the way that I'd like to approach it, I have to establish just a couple things about about my history. So I'm gonna take just a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll just uh, dive into this little discussion. Does that sound good to you guys? Great, because it's all I got to talk about. So, <laughs> um, and yeah, you're on the TV. You can just turn off if you don't want to talk about it. So that's great. That's you don't even need to. <laughs> only the person watching the stream will know. Forty people just dropped off. Oh, <laughs> it's all right. They won't tell me. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so if you've been here a while, this is familiar territory. But if you're if you're new here, um, a big part of my personal testimony is that since I was a little kid, I've uh, seen in the spirit, and so I've seen angels, demons, and other spiritual things, uh, not so differently from the way that I'm seeing all of you right now. Um, just a quick uh, and well-timed uh, demonstration of, of that. Um, it was really fun today in, in worship. You could just feel the presence of God. And I don't know if you felt, you've all felt the same way that I have, but I think sometimes when, when, our, when our posture is different, when the way that we do church, we do uh, our, our community worship together is a little bit different. Um, you know, because if you guys remember, you know, 100 and one year ago, uh, when, you know, most of the time we'd come to worship, everyone would crowd up to the front and be worshiping and singing and dancing, and now it's like, oh, you're supposed to do that, or you're not supposed to do that, you know, this, it, it changes the posture, it feels a little bit different, and so, I know that for me, it's felt a little bit different getting into the, getting into the presence, and uh, the cool thing is, is the presence shows up the same, regardless of how we feel about it, but um, the, uh, as as we started worshiping today, I just saw this cloud start rolling into the room, and it was, um it was just kind of rolling if you've ever been uh this happens a lot on the west coast doesn't happen so often here but if you've ever seen a big fog bank come in where you can actually like see it move and see like the fog kind of collide with things and swirl around and it's very beautiful to see um uh the the presence of god looked like that it was this thick cloud just rolled into the room and it didn't just you know kind of like a stagnant cloud it actually was moving and churning and 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 rolling and as um as we were in worship, I just saw angels swimming with the with the swimming is the only way that makes sense, but uh moving with the flow of the presence because it was so thick and just kind of going around. I noticed that they would stop at certain people and they would um almost like grab bits of the presence, like massage it in to people a little bit. For for those of us who are having a hard time engaging, who who the the posture change in worship makes us, you know, struggle or kind of kind of trip, it was almost like heaven is like. Reaching out, kind of trying to meet us where we're at, which was really fun. A um, bunch of other stuff happened, but a, a fun thing at the end is Steve was uh, transitioning. Was he just uh, called these uh, people up to the front to to, um, uh, to you know just release what they felt like God was saying? And it's funny. I don't know if you're like me, even though it's partially my job to speak on a microphone here, I was still deeply nervous he was going to call on me. <laughs> that's that's just the nature of those things. Like I. This is literally part of my job, yet still i'm terrified um <laughs> so God bless Luis and john for for just going for it. Um, yeah and it was just really beautiful as Luis got uh, got up and just started started singing in 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 uh spanish just um so i so again the the presence was just kind of swirling in you know, in a thus wise fashion, and um it was uh it it, it like funneled right behind Luis and kind of hit him in the back, and then started coming out of him and It was kind of this you know beautiful kind of white sort of colors as it was swirling around as it came out of him it was this it was like uh sixty different shades of gold as it as it came out of him and just rushed into the room and um it's interesting i don't speak spanish at least you know just a word here or there so as he i assume he was you know translating himself as he as he sang but he was, as he was talking about god's glory and and his his majesty his his kingliness and um, i just felt this invitation to to uh to a new revelation of god as glorious as god as our as our king just kind of rush rush into the room and it was uh also interesting where i um uh, when when John got up and started giving that, that word of knowledge, just about been specifically that that uh, there's this availability of, of access to the throne room of God, I uh, saw that the presence that was swirling around the room that was now this kind of golden presence uh, form into these shapes, um, and I realized it was it was like um, uh, it was like an, like an illustration almost of a throne room and i just saw there was this front entryway that was this big grand entryway that you know there was guards and it looked like there was like kind of ceremony to to going up to the the front and i just saw this side door just pop open (laughs) and i really and i realized like oh that's that's the son and daughter door like we get to just come into the side door we don't we don't have to just you know approach from from this way we can also approach from this way and this is one of those strange quirks of seeing the spirit, but anytime I focused on any person, that door was right behind them, if that makes sense, which is kind of cool. And I, this, is, this is not what I'm talking about, but as a side note, it's just so beautiful. Honestly, you know, even though I was partially terrified, Steve could have called on any one of you. And it's amazing god is so immense he's so big if any one of us got up here there would be a new facet of his presence that he'd want to release into this place because he loves showing himself through his children and so uh so thank you louise and john but also just remember you you all can do that too if you'd like um that's a that's a little cul-de-sac plot cul-de-sac um so singing the spirit that's the thing that happens sometimes um Rewinding back, I want to tell a little short story about my, well, an interaction I had with, with the plans of God that uh, just started my wheels turning on this, this whole idea. And so I've, I've been a Christian my whole life, grew up in church. Um, to make a very long story short, I, I learned that what I was experiencing with regard to seeing in the spirit was, was a spiritual gift when I was 12 years old. And from the age of 12 to 19, I had very varying levels of success with uh, sharing that with other people. Um, and the, the result of this made me uh, slightly bitter, I guess, and uh, just a little bit kind of reserved about the whole thing at that point. And so when I was 19, uh, just about to turn 19 and the Lord told me, hey, there's this school of ministry in Redding, California uh, that I would like you to go to, uh, my immediate reaction was, no, I don't want to do that. Um, again, I'm not going to get into all the reasons why because it's not really pertinent to the story, but I, I didn't want to go. I was... A lot of it was I just didn't want to have to deal with trying to use this thing that I'd been, up until that point, unsuccessful in doing. Um, So I said, no, I don't want to. Came again another day and said, you should go to this school. And I said, no, I don't want to. About a dozen of my friends all decided to go up to that school this year. I lived in Southern California and the school's in Northern California. About a dozen of my friends decided to go. The Lord said, you should go too. I said, no. This went on for some time and eventually I won. Uh, which winning an argument with God is always ominous. <laughs> uh, you're going to end up in a whale or with a broken hip. One of the it's one of the two. <laughs> That's just how these things go. Um, th- thankfully, neither happened to me <laughs> specifically. Um, but I uh, I didn't go that whole year. And uh, again, it was an it was an interesting year. Um, and uh, move on to the very end of the, the school of ministry year up in Northern California. Uh, my close friends would call me, you know, once a month, twice a month. Amazing things, testimonies. This person got healed. This person's leg grew out. Oh my goodness, that's so amazing. That's great. Not interested, you know. And so this went on, end of the school year, one day, and you know how God is. This one day, it was, he, he had stopped asking me up to that point. But all of a sudden, he, I feel the presence of God show up as I'm just sitting in my room. And I hear him say, um, you should really go to that school. And just the way that he said it melts every single, melted down every single one of my elaborate defenses in a single moment. And I knew, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to this school. Five seconds later, my dear friend who's at the school calls and says, word for word what he said, you know, you should really come to this school. And I said, okay, why don't you tell me about it? Um. So that summer went by. The new school year came up. I signed up uh, very faithfully and uh, went up to the school. Now I got I got a couple of months into my time at the school of ministry there, and it was awesome. And I was like, "Wow, this really is a good thing. What a wonderful idea you had, oh Lord." Um. And, uh, and then, as I was realizing, "Wow, this is really good. Oh, this is exactly what I what I need right now. This is the this is so perfect. You know, this is." everything I could have hoped for, I started to have this other thought kind of creep in the back of my mind of uh, now, because, you know, 12 or so of my friends had come to school the year before, they were now in the second year at the school there. And because of my connection with them, I made a lot of friends in uh, second year there and wasn't really making a lot of friends in my first year class. So I had this thought of like, oh man, like these are my people. Like I like these people. Like I'm really connecting to these people right away. We're very, you know, fit nicely and everything. Like uh, connect really easily. And I think, man, did I did I miss my class? Was like were those my people? I mean, you know, God did kind of specifically tell me to go, and I specifically said no. Um, You know, did I did I mess something up? And you know, I I like to think probably more than I should, and uh, I. (laughs) just thought, you know, well, take that to its logical conclusion. Uh, I showed up 15 minutes late for church. Did I miss someone that I was supposed to bump into that is, you know, that was going to uh, have this new job opportunity I was looking for? Oh, I didn't feel so good, so I stayed home from church, but I've really been hoping for a for a wife or a husband. I I... Oh no, did my wife or husband happen to meet, you know, come to church that particular day? I'm not talking about myself now, in case that's clear. I'm already married. Um, But, (laughs) uh, you know, hypothetically, you take this to this logical conclusion oh man, I don't feel so good. I decided to stay home from church, and now I get to be, you know, alone for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopsie doopsie, you know. Uh, is, Is that how it works? Well,. It it seems like it shouldn't because then we'd be constantly ruining God's plan at all times simply by breathing too loud or too quietly. Um, I mean, right, you know? Uh, But if God has a perfect plan for us and he's got a perfect plan for our life, then surely that perfect plan would involve us. Certainly we could choose things that are not part of that plan or are part of that plan. Or is God just in control of this thing and I'm not really in control of my life? This is confusing. Like I said, think too much sometimes, um, and so I'm like, well, I should read about this. So I, I get in the Bible and I start looking for for scriptures about God's plans, and I realized something that I just hadn't really thought about before, um, or, or really, I just hadn't really run into it at this angle. There's not that many scriptures about God's plans. There's there's a few. There's a few that describe how his plans work, but really there's maybe a five or six. It depends on how you kind of interpret the language or what you think he's referring to exactly, but you know, there's some of the ones we're familiar with. There's Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps, but that's really more about people's plans and what God does in response to their plans, not necessarily about God's plans. Well. Yeah, Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purposes of the Lord that will stand. Again, this establishes that God has plans, but doesn't really tell us that much about them. Yeah. Some of you are looking scared. Don't worry, this is going to end great. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah 29:11. This one, this one's good. This one actually references God's plans, which again, there's only a few of these. Um, Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Oh, that's good. That's nice, right? <laughs> okay, we know that He has plans, and we know that they're good. And honestly, in in my study time the only thing that I could really see in the Bible about God's plans and how they work is that he has them and that they're good. <laughs> Which wasn't very helpful in my little investigation as to whether I managed to ruin his plans or not. <laughs> and I don't know if you're like me, I, you know, especially since I, I, I travel and teach about seeing the Spirit and the prophetic and things when I go different places and... I don't know if you hear this phrase as often as I do, but I will frequently have people email me, call me, walk up to me and say something to this effect. And you know, maybe raise your hand if you've heard this before. A, a, I just want to know what the will of God is for my life. I just, anyone ever hear that one before? I just want to know what the plans are, plan God has for my life. I know that he has a plan. I just want to know what it is. Again, coming seemingly from this, this mindset of, you know, usually from a, a good heart, a genuine heart of, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to do any, you know, divergence from that plan. Um, You know, and there's even other scriptures. uh, I'm blinking on the address off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, the, um, oh my goodness, now I'm blinking on the reference I had it five seconds ago. Freeze for a moment and pretend like I'm in a deep thought. (laughs) (laughs) I'll remember it in a second, oh my goodness. Um, oh, I thought I wrote this one down. Oh, yes, thank you, Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, that wonderful comforting scripture that these people who come up to me usually say, but am I called according to his purpose? <laughs> but do I really love the Lord? <laughs> uh, so I wanna tell you about something that happened when I was in second year at the school. So I went through that whole year, um, not really getting a conclusive answer to my, did I screw up God's plans and to what degree sort of thought. Honestly, my thought process landed on, I mean, I guess I'm close enough to this class for them still to be my friends and maybe that's good enough. Like it's a, it's like a a B minus as far as ruining God's plans goes, you know, it's like, you're still going to pass, but you might not get to be a a senator one day or something. I don't know. Um... (laughs) Or an astronaut, more more accurately, I guess. Um, and so, in in get to second year, and I start dating this really pretty girl named April Gagner, um, and who's uh, probably on the playground with small children right now. But um, I have to give away the ending. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I meet uh, this couple who was in my class in first year but uh, are coming part-time to second year named uh, Steve and Lindy Hale who have these really exciting plans about starting this church called Bethel Atlanta in the city of Atlanta. And um, I am really feeling like, oh, that's what I want to do, that's where I'm going to go. But I have this thought of like, is this, man, these choices are much bigger now. Like oh, I'm choosing who I might marry. I'm choosing where I might move, where I might, you know, establish, establish my life. You know, these are, these are even bigger decisions. The, the opportunity for messing, the, messing these up seems way larger. You know, gosh, this is not getting easier. And uh, one day I was at a service in Reading. I was, it was a Sunday night service and worship was just coming to a close. Everyone was just sitting down and I heard the Holy Spirit say, go outside. And as I sat down, I thought, why didn't you tell me before everyone sat down? Because I'm in the middle of the row, and this is going to be awkward now. Um, But it was too late, so I got up and (laughs) scooched by, knocking the knees of every single person that I uh, walked by, very embarrassingly, (laughs) and went outside. And I walked out, and the parking lot's been totally remodeled now, but uh, there was this kind of, to the right when you walked out, there was this little hill that went up to a gravel parking lot where the uh, students would always park. so I, uh, and as I looked over to that, to that hill up there, I saw an angel standing there. So I thought, that's probably what I'm doing. So I walked over there, walked up the hill, and there was this angel standing there. Now, as I've mentioned, I've been seeing angels since I was a little kid. And so uh, I would f- sometimes find it confusing why, you know, angels would begin, sometimes begin their message with, uh, you know, be not afraid when I read about it in the Bible, you know because I thought, oh, angels are awesome. They're not really scary, you know, they're just, they're they're great. Um, uh, This angel made me understand why they started that way sometimes. It's not that he was frightening, like, rah, I'm so big and scary. Um, It was, there was an authority that was emanating from him, not like, whoa, you're so awesome and cool. But the best way I can describe it is, well, this angel has seen God in a way that I have not yet seen him yet. And I can feel the heat of that experience radiating off of him. Um, and that was a little scary. <laughs> um, and so he was covered head to toe in flames, just completely in, engulfed in flames. And, um, and it was funny, because as I, as I talked to him about a couple different things, um, my, my eyes were adjusting, where suddenly I could see through the flames. And he was, um, again, wearing these really ornate robes covered in jewels. Um, and just really, really beautiful, regal sort of attire. And talked about a couple things. But one of the things, near the end, was um, he was showing me some things on this scroll. And he, he pulls this scroll open and then turns it around after we talked about the first thing. Well, maybe talked about that another day. But um, on this scroll is a bunch of intersecting lines, hundreds of them. And they are uh, this kind of crystalline blue with these little dots where some of the lines intersect. And I realized as I'm looking at this really complicated series of lines and dots that it's all moving. All of it is moving. It's like when you, you know, see one of those close-up pictures of like uh, seawater or something like that where it's like, oh, everything's moving you know, all, all over the place. It's kind of like that where it's, um, all of these lines were moving and adjusting, splitting and then going apart and then coming back together again and over and over and over again. And so I said, what am I looking at? Um, and the angel said, this is God's plan as it relates to you. And the second he said that, it was like I understood it just a little bit more. At first, it just looked like, you know, if you'd never opened a car engine before and you, you you know, lift up the hood and like, well, something's happening, but I don't know what. Um, at first, it felt like that, like, oh, I've never, I have no idea. Then all of a sudden, it was like a piece of knowledge landed in my head and I could see me, this singular line in the midst of this, nest of moving lines, and I was going just this way, and I thought, maybe I won't go to Atlanta, and the line turned this way, and I thought, no, I'll go to Atlanta, the line turned this way, and I thought, maybe I won't ask April to marry me, and then the line split, and then I said, well, maybe I will. The line went back together, and every single line on that piece on that piece of uh, scroll was doing that exact same thing, it was going this way, then that way, splitting this way and splitting that way. And I realized that all these lines represented all the people that I was in any kind of connection with and all of the hundreds of thousands of choices that they had in their lives, some of which would cause them to intersect with mine and some of them that would cause them not to. And now I, this is one of those things that is maybe even hard to, explain exactly but the more i looked at it the more i understood it And the more i understood it the more this idea this dichotomy between uh can i mess up god's plans or, or can i not can i just mess them up for my life but does that mess it up for other people you know all the all these kinds of thoughts all of a sudden started to make sense just bit by bit by bit um and i, I was thinking i kind of get getting a handle on it, you know, and I could see these big dots that were just kind of stationary in all this swirlingness. And then I thought, oh, that looks complicated, you know, but I think I'm starting to get it. The angel laughed at me, uh, turned the scroll, so he was holding it this way, so it was like, you know, TV style in front of me, and then he turned it and laid it so it was like flat, and as he did that, the what was a two-dimensional image on a piece of paper sunk down so that it became a full three-dimensional image so that everything was moving in a completely different capacity than I had even been perceiving before. And that tiny little grasp of understanding that I felt that I had, like, completely exploded out of my grasp, if I can explain it that way, that, oh, I thought I understood how this works, and I realized I do not understand a bare corner of how this, this functions. Um... And so I, and that was the end of it. That was actually the end of that whole, whole conversation. And so I walked away from that, starting with the conclusion of, um, uh, it's okay, you can pick it up. It's fine. I've <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> complete side story, but I, we had some friends, I, I was a missionary kid growing up. And so we had some uh, friends, I believe it was in Finland who, I went to this uh, kind of traditional Orthodox church, and it was a very proper thing, and it was actually very sweet of them to invite us to go to a church with them, it was like a very special thing, and we went, but it was deadly quiet for portions of it, and I remember I had a, you know, again, I was a missionary kid, pastor's kid, I brought my Game Boy, because that's what you do when you're bored in church, and you're a pastor's kid, um, and so quickly realized that this was not a Game Boy sort of service, um, uh, but I... <laughs> I dropped it at one of the quiet points and I was like, oh no, and I was trying to reach like this, you know, so you couldn't see that I'm leaning, you know, being very sly, uh, this, and I picked it up, dropped it again and the back, snapped open, all the batteries went everywhere. <laughs> so I reached down, grabbed it, and walked away, left the back, left the battery, still to this day, don't have the back of that Game Boy, it is somewhere in Finland. To, and, uh, <laughs> um, anyway, unrelated. Uh, <laughs> the... Um, uh, where was I even? Oh yeah, three-dimensional weird plan. So my my immediate conclusion from that was okay, God's just got this. You know, he's he's just bigger than me, and he is he is dealing with something. He he is dealing with a system of of free will and and divinity and sovereignty that I could not possibly understand, you know, in any kind of conclusive way. And, you know, that's fine. Um But I I, I Every now and again I would think back and think back to what I saw there and the one thing that did stick out that I always remember was like, oh, it's interesting to see how these all these different choices were available and what that would do and how that would affect everything else and how everything else would respond to accommodate or, you know, deal with all this. Everything was moving, but I remembered there were these certain dots, these these points that wouldn't move at all that didn't move at all, that in fact, even when he brought it down and, you know, it became three-dimensional and the, and it, the whole image um, kind of bobbed and moved just as it would as if it was sitting in someone's hands, that even though he bobbed and moved with it in his hands, those points remained absolutely fixed. And I remember one day I was laying up at night and I just re- was remembering those and I was thinking, God, what's, what is that? And I heard him say, those are my promises. And then I just thought I'd go back and go through the scripture again on this whole thought. And I looked again. There's not a whole lot of scriptures about God's plans. But you know what there are a whole lot of scriptures about? His promises. I I can't even begin to list them all because there are so, so, so many but you know, just one of my favorites, Isaiah 41 is fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. The Psalms are filled with promises. Isaiah is filled with promises, new Testament, old Testament, beginning to back to front, sprinkled throughout the entirety of scriptures are promises about who he is. (sighs) I went back to one of my favorite scriptures. I'm not gonna read the whole thing even though it's a really fun scripture to read in in the whole context. It's Jeremiah 29. You can maybe just earmark that for later for, for reviewing. Um, the first part of it I read a moment ago. It's Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Now just a little bit of context uh, this is this is a, a prophecy that is going out to the Israelites who have been captured by Babylon. This is during the time of Nebuchadnezzar, um, so they're in exile. They're under a, a wicked pagan king. Um, again, it's it's a good uh, it's good it's a good verse uh, chapter. Excuse me for a lot of reasons. Uh, the beginning part talks about how while they're there, they should pray for blessing upon the kingdom that 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 has taken them captive, and which is really awesome. But it's a Great chapter, but we don't have, don't have time to go into that one yet. Um, but I, I looked at this whole verse. So again, it, this is one of the few uh, scriptures that directly addresses the plans of God in this way. And you know, we could we could argue that maybe talking about His promises is talking about His plans, but that's that, you know we can argue about that later if you'd like. Um, but again, for for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then after that it says, then you will call upon me and I will come and, pr- and uh, pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And I, I realize that this scripture is such a This scripture, especially taken in the context of how many of his promises are throughout scripture, are so powerful. Because if we view God's plans for our life, God's plans for our country, God's plans for our year, as there is a perfect version of this or what we think of as perfect, which is the exact right things happen. All throughout the year and I do all the exact right things and all these things go exactly the way that they should we're not seeing it in the context that he lays it out for his people he lays it out in this is my nature this is who I am I have plans and every time he talks about his plans They are almost always in the context of his promises, which is a revelation of his nature, is a commitment to show up a certain way to his people. Does that make sense? It's why there's so many scriptures about not being anxious, about not worrying about the future, about, you know, not worrying on the clothes and clothes on your back and things like that. It's that, that kind of context creates an inaccurate experience and an inaccurate expectation for what the execution of God's will on the earth looks like. It makes us angry when other people don't do what we think they should be doing for God, <laughs> Does that make sense? It makes us get upset at people. It makes us honestly operate out of this fear mentality that, oh no, what if God wants to happen, doesn't happen. At the beginning of this talk, I said I asked a somewhat funny question of, did, did this year go the way that you planned? Everyone unanimously said no. Did this go, year go the way that God planned? got a 50% yes and a 50% uh, and I think I heard one no back there, but they ducked down afterwards, so I don't know who it was. (laughs) So I cannot reveal them. (laughs) Um, I would like to suggest, and, and this is not gonna be true for everyone, or everyone's not gonna maybe approach it the way that I would in my mind, but that's kind of the wrong question. The real question, the, the place from which we stand, when we're looking at this year, when we're looking at next year, when we're looking at the election, when we're looking at racial tension, when we're looking at anything that makes us scared, anything that makes us hurt, anything that makes us confused, and, and, and whatever way we're experiencing that, the question is Is God still who he says he is? That's the question. That's the question. Because the only guarantee, the only security, the only comfort is not, as we think of it, as in the plan going correctly. The comfort is in his nature, is in who he is, is in the kind of God that is not afraid of an election that goes this way or an election that goes that way. Who is not sitting there biting his nails the way that we're kind of trained to on these, you know, election map things. Um, It's like designed to induce stress. Um, (laughs) It's a personal feeling, but anyway. um, But a God whose purposes, whose plans, whose kingdom is not brought down, is not destroyed by good choices or bad choices, that he is who he is, showing up as he is, regardless of what point in history you point at, of regardless of what people group you go to, regardless of any of those things, that he is still completely, holy and solidly himself, and showing up as himself wherever he goes. I only have about one minute and 32 seconds uh, to, hypothetically, to uh, finish. Uh, but I, um, you know, this is, this, so this is a little bit of a cul-de-sac, but it does help. What, the, the hardest thing when I was trying to learn how to share about the things that I saw in the Spirit was not so much the, oh, I got to say this the right way, although sometimes I thought that's what it was. It wasn't that, uh, you know, well, let me, let me just put it this way. Uh, what I shared today was maybe 3% of what I saw during this service. Um, and that's not because I'm awesome. That's because God does a lot of stuff at once. He does. He does a lot. Of, he does a lot with every moment that we're in His presence. And uh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. But um, He does a lot. I used to get so stressed if I knew that someone was gonna. If someone just walked up to me and said, "What's going on?" I'd be like, "Ah, do you have 17 hours for me to try to explain most of it?" <laughs> um, you know. Because I could spend all of the, and even if you gave me that, I could spend 17 hours on what this moment in worship is between this person and the Lord and the journey that led them there and the story and history and, and kindness and affection and plans that he has for their future all in that one moment. Or I could spend that just talking about in general what's going on with everyone and either one would be an inadequate expression of the magnitude of his glory because it would be so little of it. I used to get so stressed out because what what, what do you say? Until I realized that the way that I was thinking was like uh, just walking into a a room and trying to figure out what's the most important thing. It's my job to figure out what the most important thing is. And something that I knew, but it was something that I discovered for myself as the years went on is that Jesus is the only foundation by which anything that goes on in the spirit realm makes any sense. (laughs) When I try to figure it out, it's exhausting and I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what the most important thing is. When I stand in his presence, when I stand in who Jesus is and think what best, what, what can I see that best reveals who he is? Then it doesn't matter if I do a great job at that or not a great job at that because I'm still revealing who he is. Jesus is the anchor, he's the compass, he's the foundation, he's the center point of of all of this. And this is what I'm saying with regard to looking at God's plans, looking at your year, looking at your future, looking at what things went the way that you wanted them to and what things didn't go the way that you wanted to, is... Jesus, His nature, who He is, is the foundation, is the stable point, is the compass that lets you know where North is, lets you know what the right way what the right angle to look at this is. He is the only one, and, and having an overly positive view, or just look for the best in the year, having an overly cynical view, looking at all the things that went wrong, none of those, all of those, rather, are going to have little pieces. Of that in it, but they're never going to be rooted in who he is. And so I just wanted to take a moment, if we'd all uh, stand up real quick. (laughs) Everyone's like, don't let anything drop, he's gonna tell another story. (laughs) Um, I just want to re-anchor ourselves to Jesus. I want to, to reorient ourselves. I want us to, to adjust our perspective to Jesus. And so the, to me, this is just a, a really simple thing. There's probably a hundred ways to do it, but this is the way that I do it. I just want you to close your eyes wherever you're at right now, and you two on the TV. Um, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to take in a deep breath and just slowly let it out. I just want you to say his name, Jesus, Jesus. I want you to take in a deep breath again. I want you to let it out. And again, I want you to say his name, Jesus. And it's funny, even in this, it's, well, does this mean I need to study the life of Jesus more? Does this mean I need to spend more time in his presence? Does this mean I need to pray more so I can get more connected with him so I can know what's going on? Uh, Yes, 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 but none of those are what's going to do it. (laughs) It is only he that can do it. All we're doing is just really making ourselves vulnerable to him saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need to see things your way. Jesus, I don't—I don't even know which direction to adjust my perspective. I don't even know what parts. Of, I, I have this deep uh, emotional response when I see X happen. I have this huge justice thing come up when I see this happen. I have this uh, huge sadness come when this happens. I don't know which of those are the right emotions, the wrong emotions. The and maybe even thinking of them as right or wrong is wrong, you know. And but no, that's that's where we make ourselves vulnerable to Him and say. Jesus, I hand these to you and I trust you to hand back what I what, what needs to come back. Jesus, I hand this to you and I trust you to guide me in the direction that I should go. In the beginning of that scripture in Jeremiah, he says, while you're in exile, I'm, I'm going to do a paraphrase, but go and let your daughters find husbands, let your, let your sons find wives, sow, reap, build, build houses. He says, go and live your life. Go and have a life. And then he talks about his faithfulness and his redemption, his breakthrough. When we have this mindset of, of God's plans being something we can mess up so much, we're so anxious to get them done, to get on the right track, to go in the right direction. Jesus said, Hey, for 70 years, just build a house, build a family, get married, grow, prosper, and then I'm going to show up this way. I just want you to again just take in one more breath and let it out and just say his name again. We're just blowing out that anxiety. We're trusting him enough that if if I am going in in a truly wrong direction, then he is going to show me. He is going to show me. He's going to send someone. He's going to show up himself. He's going to reveal that to me. He is faithful. He's not gonna let me just run off in some crazy direction. And if I'm a season that feels like delay, that um, that, that feels like there's no forward movement and I don't see which direction is the right one to go, then maybe this is just time to build and grow, to have a family, to build a farm, to sow and to reap. And maybe his plan is as peaceful and as, and as at ease as that. The last thing I wanna pray is if you just put your hands out in front of you. I just wanna release a revelation of, of the truth that we are all called according to his purpose, that we are all fundamentally designed to hear his voice the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. That is not a qualifier to create an in-group and an out-group. You are his sons and daughters. There are, some, there are those of us who know it and there are those of us who don't. But we are all fundamentally designed to hear him, to recognize him, to hear his voice. And so there is no disqualified person here who is not qualified from hearing his voice, who is not qualified from seeing him and recognizing him. So I just release that grace to hear his voice and hear it quickly and clearly. To, to, to approach, not from a mindset of what am I supposed to do, but to approach from a mindset of show me who you are. Show me who you are. Show me who you are. Who you are. And I just release the peace that comes from knowing who he is. And our any of our responsibility, not in doing the right thing, but in responding to his nature, in responding to his nature. So I just release that grace today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.